Hello again, everyone. This is Sam. Um, I hope you're all well, and thanks again for listening to the show and giving it your support. It really does mean a lot, and I and everyone else involved hope you're still enjoying it. Uh, This is just a quick heads up and explanation, as it's a shorter episode this time around, simply because I've been in A&E this week after managing to injure myself, despite being confined to a padded bubble for the last two months. It's nothing major, but it's just not the podcast on the head of it this week. Basically, during a strenuous, masculine and physically taxing workout that definitely wasn't hoovering the room my paint games workshop miniatures in, uh, something gave way in my hip and I could barely walk on it. Turns out I've managed to badly pull several muscles in my groin and I can't really sit up for hours at a time at a computer at the moment. I've powered through to get this sketch sorted because that's the sort of hero I am and it's already on the mend so I imagine normal service will be resumed next week. And yes, I am acutely aware of the irony of being unable to sit on my ass when it is literally the only thing I'm currently allowed to do. Anyway, here's the podcast. The following is yet another emergency broadcast on behalf of an increasingly panicked government. Stay alert. Control the virus. Save lives. Britain. It's a valiant land. A noble land. A land that's weathered many a storm and beaten off many invaders. There are some throughout history who have constantly underestimated Britain. It'll never beat off that many attackers, they whisper. It hasn't got the strength in its fists or the will to see them all through to the end. Britain's been pushed into a corner and now it's on its knees. How could it possibly beat them all off from that position? Well, I'm here to tell you exactly how. Britain has beaten off bigger men than this current crisis. It's beaten them clean off. Taking it all on the chin. That stiff upper lip taking an absolute battering but never wavering. We've beaten off the Germans. We've beaten off the French. We considered beating off the Americans, but instead we left them to it, and now it seems like they're quite happy to finish themselves off at home. At times we even turned on one another, and had to beat each other off in a sort of circle. And although it was sweaty, hard, difficult work beating ourselves off like that, by the end of it, we'd all come together. It's that sort of national unity, that great British unity that must drive us as we now grip hard on the thickest shafts we own in order to swing them around and beat off the coronavirus. Never before has Britain faced a crisis like this. Never before have we been so tested or not tested, depending on who you ask. The test is here, but there are also tests yet to come. Lots of tests, we promise. Shut up, look over there! Oh, it's a cat! What? I'm not a cat! I'm a Canadian nurse working in the NHS. Actually, while I'm here, do do you think you could sort out some PPE for us while I'm working my ass off here? No, not you. The cat there on the wall. (coughs) Moving on from that needless and unnecessary distraction, it's time to remember what's important. What's important is the bravery, dedication, and sacrifice of our heroic frontline workers who every day have been fighting this invisible enemy for all of us. At the end of this crisis, we must do all we can to recognize them, and I support the suggestion of some of my colleagues that we should commission a medal in order to best salute them. I really don't need a medal. A pay increase. 
priests in real terms would be very much appreciated, though. Or, you know, <laughs> the fucking PPE. Will you shut up, you whining bitch? I'm trying to respect our nurses here! We must unite in the face of this crisis. We must stand together. We must work as one and not score petty points against each other with misleading questions that distract from the hard work everybody in the country is doing in order to bring Britain back from the brink. Heroes, each and every one of them. Heroes like Jonathan here. Who the fuck's Jonathan? My name's Danny. You're Jonathan, remember? Oh, fuck. Yes. Hello. I am Jonathan, and I am an authentic working class voice here to support the government. I have been working hard every day to stock shelves in our supermarkets and support the NHS. I am not concerned at all about confusing and contradictory government advice or the fact that the poorest of us working in physical jobs will be disproportionately relying on unsafe means of transport and pressured into returning to the workforce. Can I have my bag of money now, please? Yes, take it. No, don't touch me. Go on, go. It's people like Jonathan who are the backbone of this country. Fearless, patriotic, and unwavering in their commitment to their duties. They embody the sort of great British spirit that... What are you doing? I'm just disinfecting me bribe money. I don't know where the fuck you've been. Piss off, will you? Jesus fucking Christ. They embody the sort of great British spirit that has always seen us through uncertain times, and make no mistake, these times are uncertain, meaning we can't yet point fingers at just who handled a pandemic well and who bungled the response completely. Not while this great leveller is still affecting each and every one of us so adversely. <laughs> this great leveller? Really? How's it affecting you? Excuse me? I'm just curious. You were saying earlier that your kids go to Eton so they aren't back at school until September. You also said your hedge fund investments had made a tidy profit off the back of all the economic uncertainty. You're also white and wealthy, while the statistics clearly indicate that the virus is having a more significant impact on impoverished and ethnic minority communities. So I'm just wondering how all of this has left you adversely affected. I... I haven't been able to sexually harass my au pair for weeks. Not exactly level, is it? Look, here's another 20 now, will you please fuck off? Happy to be of service. Tara. Each and every one of us has our part to play. We must all stay alert and control the virus. We must follow the government guidelines as we return to work. And we must return to work. If we don't, the damage to our economy will be enormous and the most vulnerable children in our society will suffer the worst of that impact. Children that teachers are desperate to help, even as the tyrannical unions seek to place boots on their necks and keep our schools closed. Teachers must be allowed back to work in order to keep those children safe. Teachers like Tom here. 
I've never stopped working. What? I said I've never stopped working. I'm physically on site every other week and the other half of my time has been spent planning, curating and leading online lessons, marking work, keeping in constant contact with parents and carers, organising free school meals and vouchers and engaging proactively with the efforts of SLT to create a COVID safe work environment, even in the face of a total lack of clear or consistent direction from our national government. Also, you're fundamentally misrepresenting the concerns of the teaching unions, who, it's worth pointing out, are representative of the teaching community rather than our dictatorial overlords. They speak on our behalf, not for us. That's literally the entire point of a union. That's all very well and good, but what about the most vulnerable children in our society? Well, they've been offered places in school, and where and when they haven't been on site, literally every single teacher in the country has been anxiously pushing for them to be, or chasing up on their welfare. It's an enormous amount of work and worry that covers a great number of children, particularly when considering the fact that child poverty has increased dramatically over the last few years, mainly as a result of ideologically driven welfare cuts in the name of austerity. Sorry, I've digressed. What were you saying about who should take responsibility for the welfare of vulnerable children? Why don't you fuck off, you Marxist piece of shit? Gladly. I've got loads of work to do. As I was trying to say, Britain is a wonderful and resilient country. Nobody in the government is arrogant enough to suggest that there haven't been lessons to be learned or scientists to eventually blame. There have, and there are. We are reacting every single day to an ever-changing situation that we couldn't possibly have been proactive about months ago. It's meaningless to compare us to other countries. New Zealand have far fewer infections and deaths. Yes, that's true, but they also have far fewer people, a younger population, and a much lower population density. Japan, too, have had far fewer infections and deaths. That's also true. But they have far more people, and a much older population, and a much higher population density. So as you can see, it's impossible to yet suggest that it's government policy that's led to the second highest number of Covid deaths in the world here in the UK. There are just too many confusing variables to assign blame. We are all in this together. We must all stay alert, control the virus and save lives. And most importantly of all, we must not blame the government. This whole time we have been following the science, and if the science ends up under a bus, remember, the science made the decision to go under that bus of its own free will, and in no way was it pushed. At the end of all this, we will remember. We will remember the brave sacrifices of our key workers. We will remember that the results of public inquiries can be quietly buried. And we will remember, perhaps most importantly of all, who was in charge when Colonel Tom was given a knighthood. Now stop looking at the bodies. Look over there instead. See? The cat's back. It's nice, isn't it? Make a note, Tarquin. We're deporting her first at the end of all of this. This has been a propaganda exercise, sorry, public service announcement on behalf of Her Majesty's Government. Stay alert, Britain. Control the virus and save lives.
You've just been listening to the IC News Podcast. We hope you enjoyed it. If you did, please do us a huge favor and leave us a rating and a review on whichever platform you're listening on. It'd really help us out and help us to reach a wider audience. We release new episodes every Saturday at 8 a.m., so don't forget to hit that subscribe button so you never miss out. Every episode of IC News is written and produced by Sam Gore. In this episode, you heard Eddie French, Allison June Smith, Danny Sutcliffe, and Tom King. The music you heard is a track called Cinematic Strings by Raphael Crux from filmmusic.io. Full credit for the use of his work is given in the podcast description. We'll be back with our next episode next Saturday at 8 a.m., when hopefully the Aoi and Sam's bum bum will be all better. We'll see you then.